I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. McFarland, McFarland Energy, thanks so much for sponsoring the Brad Foe Show. We're coming down the home stretch of the 2022 season, uh, which means we're shifting in terms of focus, in terms of decisions, no, when we say we, we're not talking about the podcast because we're always about excellence and we're all about entertainment and all about engagement, all of that. But the Boston Red Sox certainly have. I mean, they got blown out by the Kansas City Royals and everyone's still, you know, talking about 2023, about roster moves, so forth and so on. But they're really talking about, let's be honest, they're talking about the Kevin Plowecki decision. The Kevin Plowecki decision. All right, so let's break this down. Here's the deal. You aren't able to call up a bunch of guys without releasing guys like you used to be. When the rosters were, uh, you could go in September and rosters expanded to 40. That is understood. It is also understood that you have to take a look at guys like Frank Herman uh, and so forth and so on. That is understood. You are playing for 2023. But the problem is when it comes to this decision. This decision, but the Kevin Plowecki decision, is that you have to weigh risk-reward. Risk-reward. And I don't think they did a good job of this. You have three weeks to go, as all players in there will point out. Like, why didn't you just wait? Why didn't you just let this guy ride out the season? And you say, well, you have three catchers. He's not going to play a lot, so forth and so on. But this speaks to the problem in baseball, or the problem that team building is uh, having in baseball, where the priority of things like clubhouse, things like knowing guys who are going to steer guys in the right direction, things like leadership, with Kevin Plowecki, obviously a very popular guy in that clubhouse, obviously, right? But more than that, he was a guy who bridged the gap between catcher and pitcher, He was a guy that bridged the gap between young and old. He's a guy that showed guys the right way to do things. He he was that guy. Yeah, he was entertaining. He did the laundry cart and the music and everything else. But all these other things, they're important. They're just as important as finding out about some of these other guys. And certainly, it's more important than... Having Abraham Almonte around, you know, great guy, great clubhouse guy in his own right, but still having Abraham Almonte around too, because you want to say, hey, look at what we do for the the uh, six year free agents, and you get a chance, and and um, you know, look at everybody come and check this out because this guy got a chance, and this is what we do. No, I mean this is like this. Abraham Almonte had a great AAA season. Good for him. But when you're talking about the importance of the Red Sox, the Boston Red Sox going forward, that you have to look at Kevin Pilecki a little bit differently. And it is an interesting thing. You know, I'm taking a step back. And I'm trying not to be reactionary about this, saying, hey, well, you listen, you, why are you getting so worked up over a backup catcher? Because 
you have to look at the bigger picture here. You have to look at what this guy means, not only for on the field. I mean, forget about on the field. What this guy means in terms of the tone you are setting for the organization going forward. You are going to have to find the next Kevin Ploiecki. Like, that's the reality of this. That's the reality of this. You're going to have to... Bloom is going to have to find the next Kevin Ploiecki. I'm not talking about a backup catcher. They might go in with Reese McGuire and Connor Wong. That's fine. But what you're going to have to find is the guy in the clubhouse. And let, let me play you this. This is so... I want to play two things for you. Number one is Nathan Ovaldi. Nathan Ovaldi, obviously tight with Kevin Ploiecki. Uh, lived with Kevin Ploiecki for the last couple of years in spring training. So... When they, the decision comes down late at night on Friday night, Nathan Ovaldi, as he points out in this interview, is already gone. They have, they have all gathered around, the guys who are there gathered around the locker, Kevin Blucky's locker, kicking him back, drinking some beers, and, uh, you know, rehashing good times gone in the past. All right. Nathan Ovaldi was already home. So Nathan Ovaldi, I think that, you know, part of this was, hey, he was timing awful. Like, why wasn't I able to be there when this guy was let go? All right. But also, you can hear Nathan Ovaldi how disappointed he is. Nathan Ovaldi is, is usually pretty measured with his words. Listen to this. Listen to my, my three-minute conversation with Avaldi talking about Ploiecki. Just sort of take me through about Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I had already left. I didn't realize, obviously, that we were going to be letting him go. It was a shock to me. Um, so I was already at the house when I had found out. Obviously, you know, I talked to Kevin all the time. Uh, we lived together in spring training the last two years. And, you know, I know his family and the kids and everything like that. But uh, it's extremely difficult, you know. Um, I felt like everything that he's done for the organization and everything, the, the player that he is, you know, being here the last two, three years, um, you know, it's, 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 it's unfortunate to see him go, especially on those terms. And you know, with only three weeks left of the season, um, I haven't talked to Heim or anybody else to really get the true reasoning or anything behind it. But um, I was disappointed when I heard the news. And, uh, yeah, I think it just goes to the type of player that Kevin is. I mean, he's the guy, he's the one teammate, you know, that you want in the clubhouse and the, the type of guy he is, the selflessness that he has when he's out there competing. He's trying to do everything that he can for the team, but, you know, I've had a lot of catchers where they value hitting more than catching. And I feel like when you're a catcher and you, you know, it's the same as a pitcher, it'd be like me being disappointed if I didn't get hits. And I was taking that out there on the mound with me. Uh, I feel like he does a really good job of you know, navigating a pitching staff and, you know, the games, he understands his role as well you know he understands he's not that everyday guy with us anyways I mean I feel like he could be somewhere but um, he knows his role and just being able to navigate a pitching staff and just the player that he is I mean he comes up with all the fun stuff uh, you know he had the home run card he's always got the radio on the road um, playing music on the bus things like that keeping everybody lively in the clubhouse he's always trying to help the younger guys he's, always, he's out here working on his stuff he's doing everything that you want from a guy on your team so for him to be let go especially at this time of the year is uh, disappointing for me it's, it's a reminder um, it has to be a reminder I would hope it would be a reminder that sort of the importance of that guy you know I've talked to a lot of different guys this year about that about like this is part of baseball of having that sort of guy here and, and you know, you're obviously one of them you know I talked to Hosmer about that 
but listen, I mean, you got to make the tough decisions, but also the factory and everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I understand it's a tough decision and things like that, but I, you want to build a championship around guys like that, you know, guys that are going to do what it takes to win ball games and uh, whatever they have to do to help the team win. And I felt like he was doing that. I felt like, you know, we had Schwarber last year and Hunter Renfro, certain guys like that who there's the there's the guys that in the clubhouse or sorry there's the guys that you do the little things right on the field and off the field when you're in the clubhouse it's hard to find a player that really interacts with both pitchers and position players sometimes we can be a little divided but when you have guys like you know again you got plow renfro schwarber like all those guys were extremely good guys in the clubhouse and i think that sometimes that goes a little further than your productivity or whatever on the on the field so um, I don't know to me that's a very difficult one to lose a guy like him even with where we are in the season in the last three weeks all right now the last part of this is something that we've already talked about which is the importance and the value of having a leader in that clubhouse let's look at this going forward where you know you want to be identified as a team that is going to have the right message, have the right tone, have the playing the right way. And, and Alex Cora, Alex Cora is a guy who has done this. Like he, he, he knows he was that guy. He was the end of the roster guy who everyone understood. This was his role to get everyone sort of lined up and playing the right way and in the right mindset because a manager can only do so much. You need the players to do it. And this team going forward, this team, this Red Sox team needs those guys going forward. They need those guys. They, they Yes, they need talent. This isn't the reason. Kevin Blowacki wasn't the reason why they got blown out by the Kansas City Royals. No. But you have to set the tone in terms of that clubhouse. I, I can tell you like, it's important. And you know how I know it's important? Because guys tell me it's important. I observe it's important. You listen to Rich Hill. You listen to Nathan Avaldi. You listen to other guys. You listen to the, the dynamic and the construction of the team. They'll tell you, position player-wise, they need more of these guys. Xander Bogus is a leader, but he's a leader in his own way, much like Jason Veritek was a leader in his own way. Same thing with J.D. Martinez. Same thing with all these guys. You need the 30-somethings who are going to be able to say, hey, listen, you know, this is the right way to do it. This is the wrong way to do it. And when you're doing it the wrong way, get on them when they're not doing it the right way. That's it. That's it. You need those guys. Now, a guy who might be that guy or is that guy, but it's just like, are they going to keep him around? Are they going to prioritize him? Is Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer is part of the answer, part of the solution, not really part of the problem. Yeah, he is produced more when playing at first base. Yeah, he's not healthy, and he hasn't really shown the Red Sox anything on the field. But still, by all accounts, Kansas City, San Diego, this guy was a leader in the clubhouse. A guy who, this is the type of guy who now he's around a little bit more. Now he knows these guys a little bit more. Now when you hit 2023, he can be part of that solution, part of those voices that we're talking about. Like, he could be that guy. So we're going to have to see if, A, they keep him, and B, if they can not only have him, but have other guys. Because, I don't know if you know this, Ken Ploiecki was one of those guys. 
All right, well, I'm going to finish things off by pay playing the interview I had with Eric Hosmer about this exact subject. But there you go. There's the Kevin Plowecki rant. Kevin Plowecki. The problem with the Kevin Plowecki decision. That's what this is. That's what this Bradfoe show is. All right. Here's Eric Hosmer. Subscribe, rate, review, listen, the whole ball of wax. We got some good ones coming up. Big interview. Uh, should be early in the week, I think. Big one. Big one. I thank you all for listening. Thank you, everybody. Coop, good job with everything. Uh, I'm sure I had more fantasy football dominance in the Bradford Show League, but that, that's uh, not here, not here, not there. Our lives aren't like they used to be. They're busier. Early morning Zooms, grabbing coffee to make that in-office meeting, getting to your kid's soccer game on time. Life is different, and so is advertising. To reach any audience, you need your message out there in all media, broadcast to streaming, on screens, and right to the ears of your customers. And that's what we do at Odyssey. Let's build a media campaign that targets the customers you know and want to reach more of. Right here in our community. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Right now, the here and the now is the problem with the Kevin Ploiecki decision, and we're going to finish things off with Eric Hosmer. All right, thanks, everybody. Like, I've talked to other guys and said, what a powerful leader you had been in San Diego, Kansas City clubhouse. And in this day and age of baseball, I don't want to say it's devalued, but it's certainly, like, maybe looked at differently because of the focus on analytics. Mm -hmm. From your perspective, how important is it to have have that sort of the leadership in the clubhouse yeah i've always thought it's valuable i've always thought um when you come up to the league there's certain things that uh, you've never really experienced for there's certain things that happen in the game that you've never really experienced in uh minor leagues and it doesn't really go on down there so uh, my thing is leadership can give you a heads up on what those are you can kind of prepare for it and you don't have to go through a bad experience or kind of happen to you on the field before you learn it the hard way so you just try and kind of give guys heads up that way. Try to, you know, off the field love them a little bit. Realize it's it's a mental game as well, so you got to keep them in it. So I do think there's some value to it. Do you think that you know? And I've talked to other guys, and they absolutely like Brock Holt, Mitch Moreland, these other guys who say absolutely that it's been devalued. Do you think it's been I don't, devalued is a strong word, but maybe not as valued as much? Yeah, I think there's certain trends that go on in this game. And, uh, yeah, I think that's something that um, maybe teams have kind of gone away from that a little bit. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, you, there's always certain guys that kind of stick out to you that seem to find their ways on winning teams and have those big moments. And, you know, Napoli's a guy everywhere he went. They seem to find a way in a championship run or something like that. Uh, you know, a guy like Jock Peterson nowadays seems to be a guy that's getting big hit after big hit and finding his way on some good teams. So, um, yeah, there's certain guys that definitely seem to have that knack about them. Was there a guy for you coming up? Who? Uh, for me, honestly, Raul Banez was one of the greatest mentors I've had. And um, to get to have the chance to play with him, it was only for a short amount of time. But I've always respected his game. I watched him growing up and I looked up to him. So to get to finally meet him and how open he was just to kind of give me those heads up we were talking about and just kind of give me uh, what the league has in store, what the league throws at you. And he gives you that just kind of heads up before it happens. Was there an instance you remember, like him sitting down saying, hey, listen, you might think you know, but maybe this is, this is how it is? Yeah, he, it was actually with our whole team. He talked to us in 14 and just kind of told us uh, what the perspective was from the other dugout looking at us. And we needed to kind of open our eyes and realize how good we were as a team and play with that confidence. And 
that really did uh, just kind of bust us out into a whole new level. And once you have that confidence that goes along with the talent and all that, you feel like you've simplified a little bit of it. And uh, you know, not only that, but when you have a game plan going in there, you look forward to going in there. You can anticipate certain counts to take chances on. And, you know, I think that's where uh, the confidence can spike a little bit. Do you do you enjoy that? I mean, obviously, like like I said, in San Diego, you became a leader in the clubhouse, and here, I would imagine, you know, there's opportunities to do that. Do you enjoy it? Yeah, it's certainly fun to see, uh, you know, teams go, uh, you know, from not being in the playoffs to in the playoffs, or guys kind of getting their feet wet in the big leagues to being established guys. I think that's a it's a process that uh, you know you, you really appreciate while it's happening and. You really admire it as well. I met a guy recently who told me that he spends roughly $250,000 a month. I talked to another person recently who made $50 million at the age of 30. What do you do with that money? How do you spend it? How do you not spend it? What do you invest in? If you meet a rich person, these are questions everyone wants to know, but you're too embarrassed to ask. That's the whole premise of MoneyWise. We talk to real people who have made a significant amount of money, and we ask them all about their finances. My name's Sam Parr, and the podcast is called MoneyWise. That's one word, money wise. You can find MoneyWise wherever you get your podcasts.